Thanks for tuning in to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast, where we talk about your body, how it moves, and empowering you with the knowledge to manage and treat your pain or discomfort. You will also get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at a successful private practice. You have the questions, and we have the answers. Now let's get moving. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And your co-host, Allie. And we are joining you today for our May Clinical Corner article. We are in May. You know, I was complaining about February and then March and then April. April showers brought. May flowers <laughs> and articles. <laughs> and articles. More articles never end. Yeah. So um, pretty cool. The article we're going to go over today is actually um, a case report. Two cases, uh, which is kind of an interesting uh, way uh, articles can get information across because they actually, um, you know, set up real live patients with a experimental, you know, topic or treatment or research question, look at the treatment and then compare the outcomes. So those kind of articles are usually um, have a lot of value for a clinician. So I hope that our audience gets a lot out of these articles and we'll have the article in the notes for you to take a look at and, and look over. But first, we need to give our little teaser to our student listeners out there. Yeah, we're going to start with the quiz question before we tell you what the article is, right? Yeah, yep. All quiz right, question. So, what would be a good adjunctive modality or treatment for uh, patients with subacromial pain? So, what would a student be thinking right now before they know the title of the article because it's going to give away the answer? Yeah, what mean, are some options that they have to think about? Well, I think all of our students out there are so smart, so I think they <laughs> probably already know the answer in their head. Okay, so they're shouting it. They right could now. be thinking uh, ultrasound. I'm just kidding. <laughs> or electric stimulation or who knows what. But, okay. you know, there's lots of different things out there. More than just stretching it. Yes. Okay. Yes. So... Uh, the title of the article, and this article is actually from um, Journal of Orthopedic Sports Physical Therapy, and they have a separate uh, journal that they do all their cases in, so it's from their cases journal. Um, this is Blood Flow Restriction Training for Subacromial Pain, Two Case Reports. So the answer would be Blood Flow Restriction blood Training. Blood Flow Restriction Training. <laughs> Which yeah. we have talked about before on the podcast. We have. It's interesting. Um, it was one of the topics in training in our winter continuing education course. So if you guys have listened to our previous episodes or you want to go back and dive into the archives. I love it. <laughs> you can search for that, uh, that episode. Um, we had um, one of our internal um, clinicians go over that and train the group on blood flow restriction training and several of our clinics and clinicians have this equipment and use this with patients you know currently today um, so it is an option it's not like you have to go to one certain person or one certain clinic um, we have this widespread through the company so it is an option for treatment for a lot of folks out there so and if it's at the top of your mind and you're you haven't listened to that past episode where we describe what blood flow restriction training is there is actually no like outward appearance of blood <laughs> we do not draw blood Correct. we do not like poke you to get blood it's just the use of i don't even know <laughs> maybe yeah. i should go listen to it again yeah so basically blood flow restriction training or people call it bfrt so blood flow restriction training um is using a tourniquet over um some of the major arteries so in this case if we're talking about um, the arms, there would be a tourniquet over the biceps to restrict blood flow. 
Um, and that restriction of blood flow basically starves the muscle. So it creates more hypertrophy or more strength building in a shorter amount of time. It basically makes the exercise harder. So if you have the tourniquet on and you're doing um, restricted blood flow to the muscle, you know, three reps might feel like 30 reps. Okay, so less training or less lifting or less weight, but more, you know, outcome? Yeah, you're getting into into the range that's going to create a change in the muscle. You know, when we talk about strength, we need enough resistance to create a change. Well, sometimes that resistance, either repetitions or amount of resistance could be too painful for the joint, you know. So blood flow restriction offers a way to have that same outcome of strength with lower repetitions and lower resistance. So if you are working with an injured joint, in this case, shoulder, you can achieve hopefully that same outcome, you know, with maybe 10 repetitions or one or two pounds that you would with 30 repetitions or 15 or 20 pounds. This sounds like cheating. Well, it's a, it's a hack, you know, it's a strengthening hack. So, yeah. So, you know, and this has been around for a long time. It's only, um, of late been kind of formalized in a clinical setting. Um, there's a lot of people in, in gyms and the strength world that have used this type of training. Um, I won't call it safe. Yeah. Without medical supervision. yeah, Yeah. Because now it's, it's been more formalized and there are clinical indications. There are people that are good candidates, bad candidates. Um, there is some baseline um, measuring that is done before the tourniquet's put on and then obviously monitoring during. So I wouldn't tell everyone out there listening, hey, just go tie a tourniquet on your arm and do your strength exercises right. and have a better outcome. Uh, you need to be with a skilled professional who's trained in this. So, um, so just a little bit of background, kind of digging back into the cases. Um, these were two individuals, actually both females, um, very close in age, 27 and 28 years old. Um, they both had injuries in their shoulder. Um, one was gradual onset. One was specific trauma. Uh, one had symptoms for two months, one for three months. Um, both injuries were sport-related. Um, both injuries um, did have pain at night, and both had taken some sort of medication for their shoulder. They um, sound like the same person. <laughs> yeah, pretty similar, you know. So, And I think that was intentional okay. um, because they wanted to Scientific. try to – yeah, try to normalize things just a little bit. So, um, you know, their their activities were softball and gym workouts, and another one was kind of weightlifting, uh, high-intensity interval training and running. So, wow, okay. Yeah, and so they both had stopped those activities because of pain. Hmm. So this sounds a lot like a very, um, I'll say, a very common patient that we might see in the clinic. Uh, it sounds like a lot of our listeners out there. Yeah. You know, it's not like we're talking about, hey, this is a specialized treatment that's reserved for... Only Olympic athletes. Exactly. You know, or, hey, this won't work because I'm too high level. You know, these folks were active, healthy, participating in activity. So um, if this treatment helped them, there's the likely correlation that it would help a lot of other people too. So I think it's a very comparable patient to the patients that we would typically work with or to our typical listener out there. So um, these... uh, these cases um, both also retrieve, uh, received standard uh, physical therapy treatment um, based on their clinical finding using staged approach. So um, like we would normally do, we would start off with range of motion, build in some strengthening, gradually progress things over time, 
hands-on manual therapy, stretching, functioning, functional mobility exercises. So it's not like they only received blood flow restriction training. Okay. This was an adjunct to what they were normally doing in a normal course of physical therapy. And I think the intention here was to see if adding on the blood flow restriction really accelerated the normal process. Okay, so, so they both got the same therapy, and did one only get the blood flow, or did both? Both got them? blood flow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Both got blood flow restriction training, um, and it was basically very specific during three strengthening exercises that targeted the rotator cuff and scapular stabilizers. Um, and so those were recommended exercises that are normally done for this subacromial pain or pain kind of under the shoulder. So awesome. Yeah. Um, each patient did have some home exercises um, that they were working on, uh, again, as would be start part of a normal standard uh, plan of care. So um, the physical therapist is the one that kind of made the decision when to discharge each case based on their you know goals met, just like you normally would in mm-hmm. a physical therapy treatment. So I think outside of adding in the blood flow restriction with these regimented specific exercises, Everything else was pretty similar to what would normally happen in a physical therapy plan of care or course of treatment, uh, which is kind of refreshing. Sometimes it's like when we look at research, they put people in a vacuum and, (laughs) you know, they're like only do this one specific thing or something that's not accessible to all PT clinics. It's just not very real world or, you know, very um, normal. And so uh, these case studies were relatively normal cases, relatively normal treatment, normal patients. Um, but we just added in this blood flow restriction training. So when you guys take a look at um, the article, you'll be able to see there is a uh, kind of a figure or a picture that shows the three different exercises that they do. Um, and basically what they did was elevation in standing, so like a scaption, raising your arm overhead. And then they were laying on their belly. We call it prone horizontal abduction. So they're kind of raising their arm out to the side. And then they did um, sideline external rotation. And so these three exercises are aimed at, at trying to improve, you know, rotator cuff strength and scapular stability, which when we have subacromial pain, um, the thought is um, theoretically that maybe the shoulder blade is moving around and moving forward and then pinching in the ball and socket joint and creating some pain under um, the acromial arch. And so that's why it's called subacromial pain. <clears throat> the thought process is if we get the muscles around the shoulder stronger, the shoulder blades more stable, humeral heads more stable, improve the space there a little bit, you can get the ball and socket moving without that pinching mechanism. It's like you're working your out, your way outside in. Yeah, exactly. We call it proximal stability for distal mobility. So again, a very um, well understood concept, just using the blood flow restriction to um, apply that. Are there so, pictures in this article? There are pictures. Awesome. That's, yeah. I think that's helpful for people who have to read these things. <laughs> yeah, I find is. pictures helpful. Yeah. So um, they do list the BFR parameters, um, you know, which I won't go fully in depth here uh, on the podcast. But for folks that are um, accustomed with, you know, our clinicians out there that are doing blood flow restriction training, it was a standardized, you know, protocol, one you'd be very familiar with. And for our patients out there or listeners who may not um, understand blood flow, because things are so much more intense and because you are exercising a muscle that has less blood flow, you're going to do, you know, maybe less resistance or less repetitions than you might think, you know, and you might think, oh, 
raising my arm with one pound, that's not going to be hard at all. Right. Um, but personally, I've put the blood flow cuffs on with some of our clinicians and literally raising your wrist up and down 30 times might did it feel, for you? <laughs> yeah, it might feel like you just did um, 20 pounds 30 times. That's it's crazy. really kind of amazing um, the amplification that the, the blood flow restriction has. Um, so when you take a look at these and you take a look at the protocol, you might think, oh, they did it, you know, they did three exercises, um, you know, just that's it. And it's right. like, well, you know, those three with the blood flow restriction training, that's, that's a big impact on the muscle. Mm-hmm. So what was the outcome? Yeah, so it was pretty cool um, when they looked at the um, case A and B. So they completed like 16 visits and 22 visits uh, each uh, over eight weeks and 11 weeks. Um, Both cases reported only minor discomforts with blood flow, and they were all able to complete the blood flow restriction training with no adverse events, no, you know, side effects from it or anything else. Um, they both of the cases demonstrated positive outcomes, um, including improved uh, what we call self-reported function. So we have patients fill out scales where they rate their function. So that got better significantly. Um, they had significant improvement in strength, range of motion, and performance. Um, most of the changes, um, they exceeded the meaningful cutoff. So um, the positive results compared with, you know, no negative effects um, do indicate that you know, this could be a good treatment to use for people with subacromial uh, pain in the right. shoulder. Um, obviously, we're dealing with a small sample size. Right. We have two cases. Um, obviously, you know, no control to compare it against. Mm-hmm. Maybe they would have gotten better without blood flow anyway. Um, and but like you said before, just because it worked for them doesn't mean everyone's a candidate for it. Correct. It's not yeah. every PT is not just going to throw blood flow restriction training into every single treatment. Yeah, I don't think we can use the shotgun approach, you know, <laughs> and everyone that comes in like, oh, I hurt in my shoulder. We grab a cuff and yeah. throw it on there. Let's do it. Um, but it does give some promise. And I do like that, you know, it, it puts some evidence to some treatments that we're using to say, yeah, these are working. And we start to get some criteria of folks that we might be able to look at and make a clinical judgment. And that's really how we use evidence-based mm-hmm. practice. Um, you know, evidence is, has to be uh, evaluated within a lens of the patient, too. Because you may have a patient, you may have the greatest evidence in the world to support a particular treatment, and a patient may say, I don't want to do that treatment. Right. Kind of like dry needling. They could be. immediately hear needling, and they're like, absolutely not. That's yeah. not in my cards. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Or, you know, say, uh, say a patient, um, you know, has a medical contraindication to blood flow restriction training. So, you know, doesn't mean you can't get them better without that. Right. So. I think uh, we take all these tools and we take all these um, different treatments and we put them in our toolbox and then it's really individualized after the evaluation and after the assessment with the patient, conversation with the patient about a treatment plan and an agreement. Um, we call it a therapeutic alliance, you know, where the PT and the patient communicate about, hey, this is what we think is going to be best. This is the pathway we're going to go down. And then we reevaluate the effectiveness of that. So again, not to say that this is going to work for everyone, but is some initial promising results for blood flow restriction training. The cool part, and many of you may already know this. I feel like I know what's coming up. That's right. You have direct <laughs> access to Oxford Physical Therapy, so no need to wait for a prescription referral. If you're having pain in your shoulder, like the people in these cases, if you're having difficulty sleeping at night or there's sport activities that you can't do and you want to be able to do, there's help out there. You know, So I think that would be a big take-home message is, 
Um, you know, we have different ways to treat and different ways to help. And maybe even if you've had therapy one, two, three, four, five, ten years ago, and you're like, hey, that didn't work, this kind of treatment maybe wasn't out there. Right. So it might be worth checking it out, giving it another chance, and maybe today there's some treatment techniques that weren't available um, when you last tried. So I would encourage anyone out there having a shoulder issue or shoulder pain, seek some care. No reason to put up with it. Yeah, and at Oxford Physical Therapy, we can tailor your treatment plan to you and your needs as well as getting you in with that 24 to 48 hours. I have a question about these case studies. Do you sure. think these patients know that they're in a study or oh, they yeah, have these, to like sign off on like, I'm um, going to be part of a study? Yeah, so it depends on how the study's designed. In this particular study, it was designed that they knew um, they were in a research study. So um, like imagine patients, you were one of these people, right? Mm-hmm. Like I put myself into these articles, right? Yeah. Do you think like it plays a part, like the comp, like are they getting therapy together? Um, no, they weren't getting therapy. Cause I would be like competitive. Like I want to be better than that person yeah. or like there's something in the back of my mind. Like they're like the placebo effect almost like that's what are right. they doing to them that they yeah. aren't giving to me? That's right. And it's all, that's all when it comes to study design, how they set things up and there's what they call blinded studies okay. where the, the patient may not know they're getting a particular treatment or the practitioner may not know they're getting a particular treatment. Obviously in this study, it was non-blind the patient and the practitioner both knew they were getting blood flow restriction training okay um it would be hard to disguise this and you know not not know unless you were to put cuffs on and not inflate them or something like that um so it'd be hard to set this study up in a double blinded way um but there's you know all sorts of study designs out there and um you know that's part of digging into looking at research and you know we talked a previous episode uh with one of our other clinicians chris reese who had a bone to pick with an article (laughs) and kind of the way it was done um so i would encourage folks don't just skip to the end and read the results but you know look through the whole article read the design see if you agree clinically with how it was done because there's you know good and bad designs out there and you know uh, you can gain more information from articles when you know a little bit more background and that's why oxford physical therapy keeps up to date with all of these case studies and a new treatment techniques with yeah, our clinical corners of each month that's right it's pretty cool this article is hot off the press it was actually published in may of 2022 so like so a couple i weeks have ago. ink on my fingers oh. literally. <laughs> it so. hasn't even dried good one matt <laughs> all have right you ever everybody. been part of a clinical study or anything uh no have you done one i have not i've not done a lot of research um you know it's hard to do research and um you know have a private practice um but you know (laughs) it's something that uh i'm glad there's great folks out there producing stuff you mean you don't have any extra time during your day yeah time (laughs) time is of the essence so (laughs) all right i'll let us go now thanks matt all right have a great day thanks guys Bye. bye Thanks for listening. You can find us online at OxfordPhysicalTherapy.com. And you can also find us on our social media pages like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. Remember, you do not need a doctor's referral to receive physical therapy in the state of Ohio and Kentucky, where we offer double the care for less than half the cost. You can schedule appointments online or stop into any center for a free screen, what we like to call a bee visit. Please write a review, send us a comment or message on our social media platforms. And until next time, keep it moving.